One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today, we've got a compliance that ends in a vacation. But first, a story from Jimmy Ricard, exposed telephone line and how to get it buried. Okay, disclaimers first, this happened approximately in 2013 or 2014-ish, it's been a while. The conversations are obviously rephrased and they're not necessarily verbatim. This story was told to me by the colleague in question. I've always known this dude to be a stand-up guy and knowing what went on in this industry, I have no trouble believing the veracity of the story. Still, if he lied to me, I'm lying to you. I'm sorry this is long, but you unfortunately need a bunch of local and legal context. Years ago, I worked in technical support for an Australian ISP called IINet. Colleague, let's call him Dave, which obviously wasn't his name, and I both supported ADSL1 and ADSL2 Plus connections running over PSTN, plain old telephone service. All the copper running between the telephone exchange and the customer premises was owned by a third party, Telstra and my company sold ADSL and phone services over their lines. Dave got a call from a customer who bought the property from a previous owner. The property was 100 plus years old, which is freaking old in Australia, near the center of a major city. The previous owner was an old lady who only had a phone line there. They decided to renovate it and introduce basics like internet access. They called Dave, and Dave can obviously hear there's noise on the line. The copper lines, likely 60 plus years old, are probably to blame. Dave lodges the fault with Telstra. A few days later, they go out and fix the issue. Dave has the internet connected at the customer's property, and the speeds are below 1.5 megabits per second. But the line length indicates they should be getting at least 8 megabits per second. The customer had all the wiring in the house redone during the renovation and brought up to modern spec. So we know it's not customer's wiring. 1.5 megabits is the minimum speed the line has to hit. So they go ahead, lodge an ADSL fault. Telstra sends a tech. Tech report says, no fault found. The customer gets slung with 200 plus Australian dollars and incorrect callout fees. Internet still crap. Dave and customer go back and forth, eventually filing multiple phone and ADSL faults. It's obvious that the copper is crap because when it rains, there's noise on the line. But when the line dries out, the noise goes away. After multiple faults filed, Telstra finally sends out a team who dig up the line between the customer's house and the street, the so-called in-place. But no doubt due to some stupid reason, the trench crew have to leave before the Telstra tech dude even arrives to replace the wire. So the trenching crew fills in the trench not to leave an unaccounted hazard. The Telstra tech comes later on, replaces the line, and just leaves it running over the front lawn, given that the trench is filled in. The customer calls in absolutely livid. When will the Telstra crew come in to bury the line? Dave checks with the wholesale contact, who tells them that the fault is resolved and the issue is closed. Nobody is coming. The customer asks if they can bury the line themselves, but our standing orders are to heavily discourage that. The cable is property of Telstra and the trench has to be certain spec and other stuff, Dave informs them that they shouldn't do it. The customer calls around with a few companies who do such work, but the moment he tells them he wants them to bury a Telstra in place, 
they all nope the freak out of the job. A few days later, the customer calls wanting us to do something. We have nothing to do. The line's working properly now, so there's no fault. Ultimately, Telstra knows about the issue. Telstra's tech left it that way and noted so in his report. They just don't give a crap. Dave asks the customer for pictures of the cable. With the pictures, Dave goes to Telstra Wholesale, and after calling in a few favors, he manages to convince the dude at Telstra to add the issue to what they call the project list, which is a formal list of network segments needing improvements. But the list is prioritized by severity and impact. And the Telstra Wholesale guy tells Dave that there's no ETA, and there's projects on this list that have sat there for 10 plus years. Dave informs the customer, and they're willing to give it a few months to see if Telstra does anything. Six months later, they call. There's been no movement. There likely won't be any movement. So the customer asks Dave, So you're telling me that the line is not supposed to run over open ground? And Telstra knows that, and they know the line is exposed, and they still won't do anything? Dave says, pretty much. Customer says, and what happens if it gets damaged? Dave says Telstra has a legal obligation to keep the telephone line working, in case of emergency, so they must fix it within two to five working days. Customer says, and who pays for that? Telstra does. It's their property. You only pay if there's no fault for tech's time. This is why we can't lodge a fault right now. Your line's working. But if it wasn't working, we could lodge a fault and they would fix it at their cost. The customer says, hmm, okay... A couple days later, the customer calls. Their phone is down. Their brother-in-law managed to snag the line and damage it with his car. Dave lodges a fault. Telstra comes out, fixes it, leaves the line above ground. A few weeks later, the customer calls again. They were mowing their lawn and they hit the line with the lawnmower blade. No phone. Fault filed. Telstra comes out and pays for the fix. The line is still above ground. A month later, the wife was gardening and accidentally put a shovel through the line. He apologized profusely. Fault filed. Telstra pays. Telstra fixes. Line still not buried. You get the idea. Every few weeks or months, they call with a more outrageous scenario that caused damage to the line. Every callout is a minimum 200 Australian dollars a pop for Telstra. After the sixth fault is fixed, Dave called the customer for a follow-up call to check if everything's working. The customer says it is. And funnily enough, Telstra Tech brought along a trenching crew who buried the line properly. The customer said, curious they'd put in the extra effort to fix such a low impact and low severity issue. I have no remorse for any telecom company. The way they monopolize lines, and not only the way they monopolize the lines, but how far they go to limit what you can get as far as speeds, the prices for those speeds, and also data caps in a lot of places. All these telecom ISP providers could offer gigabit just like that, but in a lot of places they'll charge you 100 bucks for 100 megabits. And then they tell you, hey, if you do any like 4K streaming for a month, you can't go over 1.2 terabytes in a month or you pay us extra. God bless capitalism when it comes to telecom providers. If you were getting screwed over from a telecom provider like this, would it be worth the hassle to break that line every other week or so just to get them to keep coming out till they actually fix it? Or would you rather just try to deal with the cable? Let me know about you guys in the comments down below.
And by the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Arrow the Observer. Want me to unload my own trailer? Okay, I needed a vacation anyway. So I was a trucker for a while, and that comes with plenty of stories of crazy things in so many places. One of my favorite stories, however, comes from a piece of malicious compliance that came together just perfectly. The setup, I tend to be a bit on the lazy side when I can get away with it, and I searched for quite some time to find a company that would keep me far away from unloading the trailers myself. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I found a good one that had a 95% drop in hook rate. Drop off a trailer full of goods, then grab a new one that's either loaded or to take to the next pickup. 4.9% of them are either handled by the receiving dock or by lumpers, dock workers hired by warehouse companies specifically to unload trucks. That 0.1% is a list of places that just want to watch you work or be convinced that you really shouldn't operate their lifts. In my contract, I saw that there was a place where your hourly rate for unloading was stated. Not for the hours that you were sitting and waiting to be unloaded, but for when you were the one unloading your own trailer. I also saw that the contract allowed for alterations to be made to the price of this service to be charged to the customer. As a joke, I put in not one but two extra zeros. $1,500 an hour for unloading a trailer? Should deter most people. Most people saw that, got a good laugh, then pulled someone in to unload for me. The event, most people, like I said, were smart. This run was set to arrive at 3 o'clock to a certain clothing store in the mall. Let's call him IB Nickled. I had been to this store a few times before, and it was always the same manager, Mr. Dime, receiving me, and it was always the same runaround. If I wanted to get unloaded, I had to wait for someone to get there, then I'd have to sit and wait while the poor kid back there got the load off, then I'd have to wait for traffic to ease up to get out since it was almost always 10.30 by the time I finally left, leaving me with only a couple of hours left on my clock to get to a truck stop for the day. I got there, and yep, Mr. Dime had come in to accept the load. It was always hard to be smart at 3 o'clock, and I can only imagine that was part of Mr. Dime's usual runaround. This time was a bit different for a few reasons. One, he smelled like there was a bit of a herbal calming remedy about him to settle his nerves for the night. Two, he said that he was completely understaffed and there was no one around to unload me, so I'd have to do it myself. Three, I couldn't stay at my usual time because he had to leave before 5 o'clock. To be fair to him, 
I did try and say, sure, but my contract says, I don't give a darn what your contract states. I don't have anyone in the store until it opens, and I've got an appointment that's more important than some trucker's contract. Just unload it yourself. I considered it for a moment and went back up to my truck to get my tablet. This was in 2019 before the virus, and the company had just swapped over to tablets for certain things, like signing off on expenses or getting permissions. Mr. Dime was fuming when I came back and handed him the tablet. Just read through and sign with your finger. He didn't read though. I had 20 pallets at one and a half thousand pounds each. The only available tool to unload was a manual pallet jack. I started my work clock and began unloading at 3.15. At 5 o'clock, Mr. Dime looks on in satisfaction to see me about three quarters of the way through as he's out the door. At 5.15, Mr. Dime's replacement, Mr. Quarter of the Day Shift, comes running in with his face as white as a sheet to see me taking off the fourth to last pallet. Please tell me that I'm reading this wrong, he pled fruitlessly. I wish I could, I lied, knowing that Mr. Dime was about to be up a muddy creek with a spoon. I even tried telling Mr. Dime what he was getting into, but he just skimmed and signed. He slumped. Wait here. I need to call my district manager. I say better be quick. I want to be out of the slot by 6.30 to beat the morning rush and get a good breakfast. He ran back and I continued unloading. When I finally got the last pallet off at 5.50, I turned off my time clock as the district manager came in. We'll call him Mr. Dollar just to keep consistent, followed both by Mr. Quarter, who was looking somewhat relieved, and by Mr. Dime, who was somewhere between terrified and furious. You're Mr. Arrow, Mr. Dollar asked, holding a printout and looking for the name. That's me, I agreed. I take it they sent over the contract Mr. Dime signed. They say yes, and that's just it. Mr. Dime is accusing you of forging his signature on this, since there's no way he'd sign off on a multi-thousand dollar contract just to unload a trailer, especially since he claims you insisted on unloading it yourself. I whistled. That's a heck of an accusation. Hey, Is that CCTV I see up in that corner over there? I asked, knowing full well that the entire loading dock was covered by a slew of cameras. The one I pointed out was positioned just right to catch the whole conversation at the door. Mr. Quarter, get the footage, Mr. Dollar said. We don't have audio, but we do have visual on them. Mr. Dime lost his fury and now just looked petrified. The fallout, one review later, and I was grinning like a loon back to my truck. I called my manager, booked some home time, and walked away with enough money to last to the end of the month. The next time I went into that IB nickeled, there was a new, much more sensible manager who always had a man on staff to unload the trucks. Honestly, I know like they signed a contract and all, but I'm impressed that OP actually got paid properly. Like I feel like this would have been escalated and pushed back and Well, maybe considering it's their supplier, they just don't have the luxury of being able to afford to try and pull some funny business there. And our final story of the day is from Cute Green, a story from my girlfriend's work. My girlfriend is a supervisor at a high-end leathers and adult store. There have been a lot of turnovers, primarily people her manager hires to open and close for him. My girlfriend is a closer and sometimes opener, or at least she was an opener. She used to go in two hours early and help her boss open, and then he would leave and let her finish opening and rack up some OT. She made a lot of money doing this, 
Two of the other openers were planning on quitting, and he didn't know, so he told my girlfriend he no longer needs her to come in two hours early anymore, since he's got all these openers he chose specifically. But then he hired his wife's friend to open. Turns out, the friend likes to be two to three hours late most days, and sometimes just doesn't show up at all. And my girlfriend doesn't actually clock in until 2pm when the store opens at 12. He realized this once his boss, the owner, started calling him, asking why the store wasn't open when he showed up with boxes of new merchandise and no one in the store to even let him in. Granted, he's the owner, he should have remembered his key, but he was banking on the manager or one of the new openers to be there to help him, and since the manager likes to secretly take off to let the lowers finish his job, he got a bit of a chewing. Next day, my girlfriend's getting a call at 12pm because the new opener wasn't there to open and there was a lot of people waiting to get in. And she just told him, sorry, my shift isn't until 2pm and you said you no longer need me two hours early. He had to go down and open the store and wait for the new employee. I think he realizes now that the only reason the store was even opened on time was because of my girlfriend. She still refuses to clock in before 2pm now. She's pretty bitter about him just replacing her like that for his wife. I think it goes without saying that a lot of times doing a nepotism hire can kind of backfire and maybe this is one of the good examples of why you shouldn't work with your friends or relatives. Especially if you're the boss of them, it just can very often not work out. That said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another compliance story that was way crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video, or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.